Hey, I'm glad to be with you here tonight. Uh, we're continuing on our series called Buck the Trend. Buck the Trend, that uh, we as God's people should look different than everybody else. That the way we live our life, the way we act, the way we respond to everything around us, it should be different because we're believers and we're going to continue in that series and look at how we look different if we explore the benefits of being a connected and a committed church together. So uh, I was here on Christmas Eve, and I was out here um, just greeting and saying hi to people as I, as I like to do. And uh, as I'm standing there, this, this lady comes up to me, and she says, um, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you. I know you're probably busy, but I want to see if you could help me with something. And I'm like, sure. She's like, yeah, my husband fell, and he's in the parking lot. Would you help me pick him up? And I'm like, of course I'll help you pick him up. She was all like, oh, please. I mean, I would have been running in like, help, help. My husband's laying on the ground, right? But she's just like, I'm sorry to bother you. And I was happy to help. And I, I got off there, and I thought, this is, this is easy. I'm a big guy. I can just pick this guy up. We'll, you know, move on with, with our day. Well, he's a little bit bigger fellow, but we, we got it taken care of. But I, I walked away from that situation going, wow, wasn't that nice that I was able to be used that way? Because how God made me, that I was in that spot at that moment, I could help out. Well, a few months back, I'm getting ready to come here on a Sunday morning. And, um, you know, I, I like to be prepared Sunday morning. I talk to lots of people. I love connecting with people, loving on people. So I try to be really, you know, prepared and ready on Sunday morning. And as I'm sitting there getting ready, I look down, I get this text. I'm standing in my bathroom, and I get this text. And it says, from my friend, we'll call her Lucy. And she says, today I decided to end my life. Please tell my family that I love them. And at that moment, uh, you know, I start freaking out, and it seemed like two things happened at the same time. That the entire world stopped and was frozen, and that everything sped up super fast because I felt a ticking clock that something had to be done. And I tried to call her, and she didn't answer at first. I tried to text her. And at that moment, I said, okay, I don't, I don't feel necessarily prepared or ready to do what needs to be done in this moment. Have you felt that way? Have you ever found yourself there? Sometimes I know what I'm supposed to do and I feel prepared. Other times I have not a clue and what am I supposed to do next? And so for our time here, I want to look at what the Bible would say. We use the Bible here. Why is this book ever written by our creator? Gives us lots of instructions. So if you're new here, that's what we'll be doing. We use that every week. And uh, we want to look at some of the things he tells us, commands us, he shows us it's important for us as a community. And if we look at that, I think we're going to find some answers there. And I should point out that these, these commands, these things that we need to do because he asks us to. But for me, I, I always push back on that because growing up, I was part of a church, a very legalistic church. And so this isn't legalism. Uh, Galatians says, for freedom, we've been set free. But we look at these passages. And so if you're new here, or maybe you've only been around here for a little bit, we look at these passages in a way to us to respond because he's so incredible and he's done so much for our life that we want to, out of gratitude, see what he tells us, what he instructs us, and do those things, okay? So if you reach in your worship folder, you'll see there's a study guide. Go ahead and pull that out. And I want to go ahead and pray for the rest of our time here, okay? Lord Jesus, would you help instruct us? Will you show us what you would want us to see in your word? 
what you would want us as the church to know, how we're supposed to respond to each other, how we're supposed to be different, what you want for your people, that we would be ready to do it and be excited to do it because of what you've done for us, that we would be more prepared because tonight, let it be your words, let it be your spirit, we praise your name. Amen. So the first, the first thing I would, I would show us that we have is, the first thing says is that we need to be here. We need to be here. Let me look at this passage with you in Hebrews 10, 24. If we're going to be a committed and connected church, we're going to explore what that looks like, what God wants us. First thing is we need to be here together. It says this in Hebrews, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, so some people were neglecting to meet together, but instead, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day, speaking of the day of his return, as you see it get closer and closer, all the more we should do this. So it says, consider, think about, give some thought how to, how to stir up, how to spark each other into some good deeds and loving each other. So maybe when that guy fell in the parking lot, he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fall down so I can give somebody else a chance to love me and help pick me up. Maybe that was his thought. I don't know. If so, the next person that falls, you just be just a little smaller. That'd be great. Perfect. Make it a little easier on my back. But he said, give some thought to this. Think about this. So this isn't like just haphazard only if it comes to it, but think about how we can help each other and then not to neglect... This is a warning. Whenever I see a warning in the word, I try to take, take note, right? This is a warning from God. Do not neglect. Well, why is he pointing out not to neglect? For our benefit. I think about the word neglect, and it's more, it, it's more um, clear to me than it has been in the past. You know, my wife and, and kids probably understand the word neglect when it gets to football season. They understand what neglect looks like when they're trying to get my attention and I'm focused on the screen. When we first got our daughter, before we adopted her, we first got her, she was severely, severely, severely neglected, and she wasn't fed. And you could tell that, that she was neglected with food. When you handed her food, she would grab it, and she'd pull it to her chest and hold it super close. And she would eat a little food, just watching. Because of that neglect, because of that harm that she had, she wanted to hold it really super tight. So he wants us to not neglect, not get to the point that we're so starved, that we're so needy that we respond that way. Does that make sense? He doesn't want a starved community. He wants us a community that we're encouraging and speaking good truths to each other. So more than that, more than, he, more than just let's be present and let's be encouraging, but he also wants us to be here and be aware. Be here and be aware. Look at this, look at this passage in Ephesians 4. Let's walk through this together, okay? Ephesians 4, and he gave, think about that, he gave, so it was a gift, he gave a gift to us, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Let me just pause here for a second, so this is a gift he gave us of people, and I think about New Life Church, I don't know if you guys realize how 
How thankful we should be for the people he's given us, his church. I think about people like Steve, who always tries to keep us centered on the word, learning truth, teaching that to us. I'm not just saying this for brownie points, but I hope you're as thankful as I am. Think about people like Joe, who leads our worship arts ministry to make sure that we have good, rich lyrics to sing that teaches us truth when we worship together. I think about Brett, who leads our youth, our middle school and high school. He doesn't just want to connect with the, the kids, but he wants them to connect to the word. And the spectacular kids' life that we have, where Darcy and her team helps them get in the word and learn about Jesus. These are gifts that he gave to the church, and that's our expression here, the gifts that we have to help us to equip the saints for the work of ministry. goes on to say this. So, gives us gifts for building up the body of Christ until what? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to, to mature manhood or womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Think about it. Pause here for a second. So the goal, the goal here, there's a goal listed here, is to mature with unity of the faith, for us to be unified, knowing Jesus till we measure up to what? Till we measure the fullness of Christ. That's a tough measurement, Right? But why does he call us to do that? So that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Look at this warning. So no longer be children deceived by the worldly views maybe swayed by opinions of other people or just thrown off by the craftiness of the enemy's attacks. Think about if you're trying to kill off weeds, when's the best time to spray weed killer on weeds? When it's dry, right? When it's thirsty, when it, it's completely void of what it needs, you douse it then and it'll gladly accept it. It'll soak it in. It'll suck it in and it'll be killed off. This is the warning we get here. We don't want to be children just tossed to and fro because we're so ready to hear anything that sounds good that will take it in. And it goes on. Rather this. So don't, don't be like children, but rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. So speaking the truth and love to each other to grow up, be connected in like a body, joints all connected in all of us, equipped for service. And then this, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each part, each part, each and every part, working properly, which tells us there's an improper way of doing this, and there's a proper, there's a good way, there's a bad way, there's a way it was designed to work, and there's a way it was not designed to work. 
Well, when it's working properly, the body grows and builds itself up. And so I look at this, how we grow and how we connect to each other, and I, I immediately think there's two parts we have to think about here. If we're going to work together properly, there has to be someone that is open, who wants to be, you know, speak truth and speak love to each other. Someone has to be open and ready and willing to receive it, vulnerable enough to say, hey, this is what's going on. And there has to be someone who's willing to give some love and give some truth, right? Two parties involved if this is going to work. So someone has to be vulnerable enough, and then someone has to be aware enough to show, show that care. I remember when my first mentor, he would always ask me, and he was trying to like get really to the heart of the matters of what was going on with me. And he really asked all the time, hey, Alan, how are you doing? And I wouldn't give him very many answers. And he tried to figure out why that was. And I said, well, I, I just learned that no one really wants to hear an answer unless they ask about three times. So then every time he saw me, he goes, Alan, how are you doing? Alan, how are you doing? Alan, how are you doing? Got really, really annoying. But there's some truth to that, right? I mean, think about it. How many times you said, hey, how are you? You're just kind of catching a glimpse of how they're doing and... and Maybe sometime you said, oh, yeah, this is going on. You start talking, and you realize a couple sentences into it, they're not really listening anymore because they really didn't want to know the answer. They were just saying, hey, how are you? And so I found that, hey, I, when I, I ask somebody, hey, how are you? And they say, oh, I'm doing okay. Give you just a little glimpse, and you say, no, 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 really, how are you doing? And then what I usually get back is some sort of little teaser. Oh, you know been a little rough with certain things. Basically, they're testing the water. Do I really want to know or not? And then you got to kind of catch their eye and say, no, no, tell me what's going on. Really, I, you know I care, right? And then people start sharing. I found we all kind of use this three kind of question approach. That if you ask, and then you actually show interest, and then you ask again, that maybe, maybe they'll share. And we got to look for some signs. Like if we want to be here and we want to be aware so that each part is working properly, we got to look for the signs in each other. You know what I'm talking about, right? When you're talking, there's someone just not acting quite right or they're kind of avoiding your gaze. You're looking at them and they're trying. I don't know if this happens to you, maybe it doesn't. But they try to avoid my gaze because they know I'm going to say something to them. So I look for signs because those are the times we need it the most, right? When we're Feeling not unified, we're feeling like I'm, I'm here, but I'm not really here. I'm tempted to feel really alone. Maybe you're sitting right here feeling really alone. I think about um, a friend of mine. He, um, he's a husband and just going through some rough times. Him and his wife aren't communicating really well at all. And he was here and kind of did that avoid the eyes thing. And I asked him how he was doing and kind of shared a little bit, and he just needed some encouragement, but we had to have that conversation, right? Or uh, a couple weeks ago, I was walking out towards the kids' area, walking next to a friend of mine, and doing the same thing, something seemed wrong. I said, hey, what's going, you know, how's it going? Oh, it's fine. Listen, I'm married. I know the uh, it's fine answer, right? It's fine. New mom, I said, no, really, what's going on? Then all of a sudden, bowling. She just starts bowling. And I'm like, I, didn't, I don't know if I wanted all that, but starts bowling because they're up all night and 
the baby kept crying. If you're parents, you know what I'm talking about. Kept crying. You just wanted anything for the baby to stop crying. And then you feel horrible, like you don't love your child enough because you just wanted to shut up. And, and so now you're walking around feeling guilty and shame. She just needed some reassurance. She needed somebody here just to put their arm around and say, you're just like the rest of us. This is why they make you watch that video before you leave the hospital. Don't shake your baby. This is why. It's very tough. A friend of mine was walking around here, and it was just, just went through a bad breakup and had to look in their eye, and we talked and just said, you're still worth something. You know that, right? They needed to hear that. Needed some comfort. So we have to be here. We have to be aware. We have to be looking. Someone has to be vulnerable. Someone else has to be willing to share the love. But then there's an even tougher kind of level, I think. That's this. We got to be here. We have to be aware. And we have to be prepared. Consider this. Look, look at this Colossians verse with me. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And I think, you know, we do that every weekend, right? We come here, we explore the word, we share the word with each other, teaching and admonishing each other in wisdom, singing songs, being thankful with our worship, being thankful with our giving. He's telling us that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Deep reserves, because you're going to need them. I think about this. You can't dwell without a well. You can't dwell without a well. Without reserves, that when you go to, to get, get the bucket in there, you might need the truth, and it has to be in you, because when you get to that moment, if you're not prepared, because the Word of Christ is not deep in you, you'll have nothing to give. And there's one thing when you come alongside each other, you just want to give some reassurance and some encouragement but then we come up with some of these tougher things. If we're not prepared, we can't actually love those people. I'm thinking about a friend of mine whose family is crumbling. And he doesn't know what to do next. He's not sure if even he's doing the right thing. And I had to share some truth. And he said, listen, God said, what I bring together, let nothing separate. So when you want to fight for your marriage, that's okay. That's the full weight of God behind you. Or I think about every minute, it seems like every day I turn around, there's another family member or there's another friend of mine who has cancer. And they're struggling with this. And I could have some just weak little hug and just have no answer. Or I have, am I prepared? Do I have something in my heart that comes from the word from in that well that I can speak out and say, listen, let me tell you the truth about this. This is what I do know. As he knows every lily in the field, every grass, every raven, and he says you're much more valuable than them. So his eye is on you. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but the God of the universe knows you exist and is watching over you. That's, that's comfort. That's care. So I have to be prepared. You have to be prepared if we're going to work properly together. I think about... Sometimes I get, I get nervous. Am I going to help it more or am I going to hurt it more? Am I going to say the wrong thing? I think back to that, that Sunday morning when I got that text. And I finally got a hold of my friend Lucy and we're talking. And it was almost like 
should I be doing this or should I get like the big dogs in here? I mean, I, she, she called me back. But what do I say? And I just remember, I mean, she's literally standing on the edge of a bridge. She's on a bridge and I'm talking to the phone and I'm not sure if I'm equipped to do this. And the Lord told me this. For I did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. So you will say what I will tell you to say. In power, with love, you're going to deliver this message. And listen, everything kept coming why she should not be living anymore. And all that kept coming out is truth after truth. For every lie that she said, there was a truth that came out. Every lie that came out, a truth back and forth until she hung up. So I came here to church and had contacted the authorities. And I'm just waiting to hear. And the officer pulls up here. I'm standing outside here with the officer just kind of filling out the rest of the report. And the call came in over the radio that she had been found alive and well and they took her to the hospital and I went to talk some more with her and even when I walked in I was just always just curious I was like why why me I mean I I, I saw around here we talked always showed love or care and so I showed her at the hospital and she's She's laying under her sheet, and she's avoiding my gaze still then because, once again, lies coming in, shame coming in. And so what had to go to work? More truth. More truth came out telling her exactly who she is in Christ and what she should believe about herself. But I had to be prepared. I had to be in me, the living water in me to give out so she'd be thirsty no more, right? Then she told me this. She goes, you know why I called you? I said, actually, I want to know the answer to that. No, I don't. And she said, the first time I felt loved by a man who didn't want something from me. It's because we were here. We were aware of what's going on and prepared, sharing love with the body working as it's designed to work. She was able to get the love that she needed. So if our response, our way we see ourselves in this community should look different than any other community, any other connected people, because we're connected because of Christ, it should look different, right? We should buck the trend that says, Make it more about you and only use other people when it would help you in your agenda or your life. We know what God's heart is. I mean, he told us. He gave us clear instruction. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What do you say? It's the greatest commandment. You, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. So we know what's on his heart. So for each one of us, we have to look at, at our response. 
And so when we look at this and say, okay, if this is true, that we're a body that's supposed to be connected together, we're supposed to be here ministering in love and ready and prepared for this, what's preventing me? What is stopping me? What is maybe the lie that's in my heart? Or what's the thing that would say maybe I'm not supposed to be used that's keeping me from being encouraged, keeping me from being equipped, keeping me to being part of that body working properly? What's competing with filling out that truth in you? And so I want to go through a couple. And, you know, this is only, you know, as good as you make it for yourself. So I'm going to challenge you. Think through this. Let the Spirit speak to you. Say, what is it? Is there something that might prevent me from being in a situation or being ready for someone around me? The first one I think about is time stealers. And there's a tension with time, isn't there? I mean, we don't get any more, we don't get any less. The time is exactly what it is. But I don't know about you, but I have so many things in my life that want to take more time than I was willing to give it. You know what I'm talking about? Whether it's a job, I remember one job, you know, we all got to work. But if I want to make a commitment of certain things, I got I to work around that. I remember one job I told him, I said, listen, you can schedule me as many Sundays as you want, but I'm not going to show up to any of them, right? And they didn't. Now, that's not always possible. But what are the things that we're trying to carve out? What are we making important in our life? Or maybe there's that sports team that you're part of, that sports league that just seems to take over. Every night there's a practice or game. What, what is it? That's taking more time than you intended for it to ever take. What decisions have we already made that seem to be living itself out from week to week? Think about it this way. It keeps you from either being here with us regularly or being in a small group, connecting with other people, the body working properly together. And then what about the things that are daily decisions that if we're not in the Word, I mean, if we count on just getting in the Word once a week when we're here, if we're here, once a week, I mean, think about it. Sometimes we miss, it's two weeks between getting a deposit of truth that we can hold inside of here. What about daily decisions of getting the word and praying so we have those reserves and we're ready that it's on our lips and it's in our heart? And he says, I want all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. What is the thing that we've given away our time and it's not even ours to give away, to spend time with God. This is important, right? I've had people tell me, I'm just, you don't know my life. I'm, I'm too busy. Listen, everybody has time for what they make important in their life. I've never met, I've met busy people. I've never met anybody that hadn't, didn't have time. They spent time doing something, whether it was TV or running or something else they enjoy doing. They spent time doing it. I understand. I got four kids, two jobs, and a dog that I don't want. This never shuts up. So where do you need to make some time? You might have made to make some tough decisions to clear that up. So time stealers is one. What about this? Maybe this is you. Just selfishness. I mean, just plain selfishness. I, don't, I just don't want to get that messy. 
I don't want to get that involved in other people's lives. I really just want to be hyper-focused on my own life, what's going on. To get involved with someone else, I mean, it's just a whole complexity. It's like once you feed a cat, they keep coming around. Is it that? Is it just, is it just I want my life to be my own? If so, I, I would just encourage you maybe to read the writings of Paul, the letters he wrote to the churches, to see what he calls us to, the heart that he would suggest that we have, some of them we read today. Maybe for you it's just a lack of compassion. I mean, you hear about this and you just have no urge to teach or encourage or admonish, warn anyone. It's just, I hear about these things and I'm just not moved by the hurting. Maybe you just need more compassion in, in your heart. And I would just urge you to maybe read the Gospels, read the life of Jesus and how he interacted with people. I mean, if as believers we're supposed to measure up to his fullness, so we need to know his heart, how he would see these things. And so if you just feel like I'm just not moved enough when I hear these things of people around me, then maybe you just need to spend some more time reading about Jesus. Some of us probably here are got caught in the trap of listening to deceivers. I mean, listening to the lies that is delivered to us so easily. Lies like, I don't think you're equipped enough to help anyone. Maybe the lie that says that you need to protect your image because people's opinion is what matters the most. Maybe it's just the lie that you... You're not worth anything to anybody. Maybe you're caught up in some lies. Or that just, you don't think this is important. The deceiver comes to tell us lies. And so if you're, if you're got caught listening, this isn't that important, or I don't need to give that much focus, or I don't need to be around here and be involved in people's lives. Those are lies. We need to replace it with truth. And so I would urge you to ask for help from truth-tellers. You know what truth-tellers are? Truth-tellers are the people who know the truth, and they tell you about that. That's why we call them truth-tellers. You know, if you're listening to deceivers, you know who those truth-tellers are. At least you have an idea. It's people that you don't really want to listen to because you're comfortable in the lies. But you need to find some people around here willing to tell you truth, and you know it's true if they use the word of God to tell you that truth. Those are truth tellers. You need them to mentor, disciple you, and to share some truth to help you break out of some of those lies that you're believing about your life and your involvement in other people's lives. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're listening to deceivers. Maybe you just have a dry well. I mean, you just have a dry one. It says, dwell in the word of God richly and you realize you have not really been in the word except for the passages that are quoted here from time to time. And you know that really if you came into any situation, you would have nothing left to offer because you're hanging on by a thread yourself because it's dry. You need to read the word a lot. 
We start to replenish that. Memorize scriptures. I can't tell you how important that is. So that comes to your lips. I mean, just comes. Comes to your heart and your mind because it's in there. I love our WANA program. We do here with the kids to help them memorize the truth. So it's captured inside. It goes with us. We need to keep doing that so we can say over and over again, you know, it is written that man should not live by bread alone. It is written that you don't have a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, that you can say these things. You know, it is written those with the Son have life, but those who don't have the Son don't have life. You know, it's written that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life, and so you can have life abundantly. It is written. You need to have it in your heart. So if you've got a dry well, you need to be in the Word a lot and memorize. I want you to get intense about your health. I think it's just something we'll get around to maybe someday. I mean, like today, read the word. And make a plan for tomorrow to read the word. I was picturing an illustration here. I was going to have a chalkboard up here and say, you know, what is if we come across people that lie and we write that lie up on a chalkboard and say, you know, I am worthless. And you come along and you're dry. You're like a dry sponge trying to erase it. Just streaks it more, it does nothing. But someone that's saturated the word, it's like a wet, saturated sponge, just wipes that lie away and says, let's replace it with truth. If you feel that dry, you're cracked, crummy like that little sponge you get from underneath the stove, like this is my life, I don't want that. Get intense about your health today. I need you. We need you. We need each other. Okay? Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it's something else. I mean, listen, here's the great news. We've got the Holy Spirit inside of us, so if we get a little attention and we listen, he'll tell us something. So maybe he wants to tell you something specific today for you. Like, what is it that's competing against loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul today? What is it that's competing? What is the Spirit saying? I believe this is an important moment for us as a church, right? I mean, the world trajectory is all about individualism. What is good for you, what you want to believe, what you think is good for you, live it. Grab a hold of it. Take control. As long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, that's kind of bad. But just live for yourself. That's not what God says. That's not what we explored today, Right? He said, no, you got to be committed. you got to be concerned towards the family of God. You need to be here, be aware, be prepared, love each other, continue to give truth to each other over and over and over again. And I imagine, what could it look like? What could it look like if when we come here, most of us show up not just ready to receive something, but ready to give something? That we don't come in like, oh, Good thing, I need a word. I need a little more Jesus. I just need a little more Jesus. And listen, if you're in that spot, we want you here because we want to minister, we want to love, we want to do that. But what would happen if most of us showed up, the word of God already on our heart? It wasn't the third song where we finally got that. We're like, okay, I'm feeling it. I'm feel, you know what I'm talking about? I'm feeling it. Got me here. It's like that first morning cup of coffee. We're like, I can't do anything. You, know, you drink, you're like, oh, everything's better. And you treat like that second or third worship song as your first cup of coffee, like, okay, I'm ready for a little more Jesus right now. Here we go. What if we showed up, already the word on our heart, 
already prayed, already registered. Anybody that walks in, if they're needy and they need a little encouragement, love, and we're looking in their eyes, we're looking for those avoiding gazes, those people that seem like the edge, and we just walk up to them, we throw our arm around them, we said, I love you and I'm glad you're here. What can I do? Oh, I'm fine. No, no, seriously, I want to know what's going on. Uh, it's been a little rough lately. Well, tell me about it. I would love to be part of your story today. I'd love to encourage you and speak truth to you. Will you let me? What could this church look like? What kind of reputation might this have in the community if people say, you need to go there? I don't know what it is, but when you go there, there are people there to love you. Wouldn't that be amazing? That just continues to grow and grow and grow. But we need to first start ourselves. We need to look at our own heart. Look at this passage. I think it's in your notes too. Ephesians 4, 22 25. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, that each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Put off your old self. It used to belong to you. You know those clothes you got in the closet? They don't fit you no more. They don't belong to you anymore. Get rid of those, the old life and put on, get dressed, be ready. The likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Put away the lies. Speak the truth. Get dressed. And therefore, when you have done that, when you put away the falsehood, when you've rejected the lies, let each one of you, each one of you, all of us, each one of you, speak the truth with his neighbor. We're members. We're connected. It's kind of like when you fly, they say, Hey, lock in your own air mask before trying to help somebody else. If you want to have the compassion of Christ, he lived in such a way so all he could do is help someone else. You got to put your air mask on. You got to put on your new clothes, live the way that you were supposed to live, so that way you can reach out and speak truth to each other because we're members one to another. I kind of want to have just a, I guess, a little bit more of a community time for us tonight. The, the band's going to come up, and we're going to sing some more songs, and we're going to do communion. And I think about communion, because communion is for us to remember what God has done in Christ Jesus, right? To remember that Jesus died in your place so we could join him in his place. So we can remember, I mean, we can think about when he broke bread with his disciples. It was a time for them to be together. So time for us to be together and remember why we're connected to each other because of Christ's sacrifice for our lives. And so I thought, man, wouldn't this be nice if as we remember that and reverence and all of what he has done, that we do that together as a community. That seems more instead of just individuals doing that, that we're more connected. And so I I guess, I know, we, I know we prayed for each other a little bit earlier, but when we do this, maybe you've got something 
on your heart. Maybe you identified one of these things and you say, this isn't good. I don't want it to be. And I want someone to speak truth and encourage me today. If that's you, and if you'd like that, especially before we go to the communion, when you go to communion, you take, take the wafer, dip it in, go with somebody else. And you say, but before I go up there, I just, I want some more truth. I want someone to care about me, encourage me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? If you're like, I could just use a little bit of encouragement. I need someone, a truth teller, come, come over with me right now. Just raise your hand. We're going to have prayer partners that go in the back. At any point while you're sitting here, we're going to do communion. If you feel it, just raise your hand. There are going to be people looking around, and we'll come to you and just love on you. And the rest of us, as we do this, will you just join hands with somebody come up and take communion together as remember what Christ has done? Let me pray for us, okay? Lord Jesus, this is, has to be your work. We know that. We know it's about you and what you've done and what you've called our church to be. You said it's good that I leave because the promised Holy Spirit comes and you've given us the Spirit inside and then you've created the body, the church, to be together, to be committed to each other. I pray that you would help us to use this time when we gather together here on Saturday night, on Sunday morning, in our small groups, that we'd be looking for ways to encourage and to lift up and speak truth. I pray you would help us to dig in and not just take surface answers, but look for the people that are hungry. Look for people that are believing lies. That look for people that need an arm on their shoulder and a prayer said in their ears so they would believe the truth. Would you help us to be that kind of community? Lord, would you help us if we've got something that we know is pulling us away so we can't work properly in the body, that we're on the edge or we're just not, we're not where we need to be, that we need a little bit of love, that we would trust the people here enough, that we would open ourselves up just enough and hope that someone can encourage and be the hand of you in our life, speaking truth from your word, one to another. Lord, we look, we look forward to the day when you return, and I ask that as we wait for that day, that you would just help us to be more and more of a transformed community that would just be a light to our community around us, that people would have no other way to explain what happens here than it's the very hand of God, and we trust you with this and give it to you and praise your name. Amen.